What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in this video, we're gonna be running through my start sits for week six of the NFL season at the running back position. So going through every single week six matchup, this is actually gonna be the first week where we have bye weeks. So it's not gonna be you know the full 32 teams. I believe there are four teams on bye, so it'll be 14 games. 28 overall teams. So, you know, maybe those players who the last few weeks have kind of slotted in as high end sits, maybe they kind of get bumped up to the fringe range. So, we have starts, guys you really want in your lineup, the fringe category, players who are still startable, but I think you know you're less excited, they're lower tier options, and then sits, those are players you want to keep on the bench. They're going to be timestamps in the, uh, I guess, description. So, if you guys want to jump around to your specific players, that is totally cool. If you're watching, enjoy the content. Just do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'll be answering all the questions down below in the comment section. It doesn't have to be start sit. It could be waiver wire, trade advice, whatever it is, drop those down below. And then one more cool opportunity before we do jump into the Thursday night game. On underdog fantasy football, you guys can jump into some best ball resurrection leagues. So maybe you're in a few fantasy leagues. You want to, you know, have a few drafts, an in-season draft that's a little bit different. You don't have to worry about managing your roster. You'll draft a full team. They'll go through every week. They'll start your best players available. It'll be week six through the rest of the season. Have a chance to win, you know, some money doing that. So if you guys do want to sign up for Underdog, there's going to be a link in the description or use code Quinn. They will double your first deposit up to $100. So a cool opportunity if you guys are interested. But let's jump into the Thursday night football game. We had a brutal Thursday night matchup last week. This one on paper doesn't seem like it's much better. The Commanders taking on the Bears. For the Commanders, we finally saw Brian Robinson make his debut. Just great to see him back and on the field, you know, after suffering gunshot wounds, which really just could have been a, you know, much worse situation. But he comes back, and basically this Commanders backfield was just brutal fantasy-wise. Looking at the snap share splits, we had J.D. McKissick leading the backfield at 41%. Then we had Antonio Gibson at 32%, Brian Robinson at 29%. We saw McKissick and Gibson each get seven opportunities. Brian Robinson led the backfield with nine opportunities. At this point in time, all three of these guys are unplayable. I think we could see Brian Robinson kind of improve on this role. We did hear that he was going to be on a snap count coming into the game. So maybe they wanted to give him a few more opportunities up his snaps, but they're just kind of easing him back. It truly does seem like the odd man out here is going to be Antonio Gibson. Could you have McKissick operating as like the two-minute drill guy, the third downs, then you've got B-Rob taking the early down work, and then Gibson's just kind of, you know, in no man's land here. He was someone I was really kind of uh, advising people to try to trade off of basically from week one on because it definitely seems like he is completely unplayable right now and is like the third best option fantasy-wise in this backfield. On the other side with the Bears, we saw David Montgomery come back, have a really solid fantasy game. I think it's pretty clear here Montgomery's going to be a start. Sitting Khalil Herbert, Herbert's a very talented backup, but when Montgomery's in the lineup, he's just not going to have much startable value. Now moving over to the Sunday slate, we're going to start it off with the 49ers taking on the Falcons. For the 49ers, I have Jeff Wilson listed as a start, Tevin Coleman as a sit, and I do just want to talk a little bit about each of these players, I guess, week five performance. So prior to this week, we had seen Jeff Wilson just taking massive shares of this 49ers backfield. It's something they talked about where they didn't have a ton of trust in their running backs, and they kind of felt like they were putting a lot of pressure on Jeff Wilson. So they kind of, you know, gear back his workload, at least in terms of snap share. 
So Jeff Wilson only took 58% of the snaps. I say only just because it's been less than previous weeks. Still a fine amount for like a, you know, top 24 running back, somewhere in that range. So he takes 58% of the snaps, 17 carries, two targets, turns that into 20.2 points. But we actually see Tevin Coleman come in here, only command a 29% uh, snap share, eight carries, three targets, but he does turn that into 21.7 fantasy points. He does that, you know, on the uh, production of two touchdowns. So I feel like this is probably a, you know, split we're going to see moving forward. Jeff Wilson's going to be the guy, you know, getting the majority of the opportunities. Tevin Coleman's going to filter in here. I don't think Coleman is going to be startable. I feel like, you know, like I said, carried by those touchdowns, that's not something we can expect to carry over, you know, here into week six. On the other side with the Falcons, this was just a very, very gross backfield split against the Buccaneers. So it was basically like a three-headed committee here. Tyler Algier did see the majority of the snaps, so he had a 59% snap share. He also led the team in carries with 13, but had zero targets. We saw Avery Williams have 26% snap share, three carries, two targets, and then Caleb Huntley with 24% of the uh, snaps, eight carries, zero targets. So we've got three different running backs who are fairly involved. It really is just a mess of a backfield and, you know, a team that I'm just going to be avoiding altogether, or at least, you know, a running back room I'm going to be avoiding, especially in a tough matchup against the 49ers. Just not looking pretty here for these uh, Falcons running backs. Then we have the Patriots taking on the Browns, and we saw Damian Harris leave their week five game with an injury. We then saw Ramondre step up and just was dominant in that game. I think both of these guys are starts if they're both 100% healthy. I think if Damian Harris is out, Ramondre Stevenson is like flirting with top 10 running back potential. Like the dude is that good if he does have that full workload. So I think, you know, if uh, Harris is out, Ramondre is obviously a start. If Harris is in and we're positive he's healthy, I do think we can start both of these guys, but we're not looking at Ramondre as like a, you know, RB1. He's more of like a mid-tier running back too uh, if Harris is in the lineup. On the other side with the Browns, this is just going to be my uh, spot where I'm going to take my L on Nick Chubb here. I was low on Nick Chubb heading into the season. I'm pretty sure I recommended him as a sell high after I think it was week two. And I mean, he has just totally proven me wrong here. My main concerns here for Nick Chubb had nothing to do with his talent. I'm pretty sure every time I talked about him, I you know gave the context of he is arguably the best running back in the NFL, at least in terms of being a pure runner. And so I thought, you know, through the first 11 games of the season, I thought he'd kind of be struggling. I thought the touchdown upside wasn't going to be there. And straight up, the dude's been getting into the end zone a ton. This offense has been totally competent. And I mean, it really makes you think like if Deshaun Watson comes in after his suspension and is the player we saw the last time he was on the field, I mean, Nick Chubb is just going to go to the moon and is probably going to be a league winner this season. So that is me accepting my L. Uh, I guess I'll be on the uh, Nick Chubb bandwagon, even though I have basically no shares of him. But, you know, he's obviously a start. And then his uh, number two there, Kareem Hunt, is a start also more of like a uh, fringe top 24 option. The next game, we have the Jets taking on the Packers for the Jets here. I feel like every week in this video, I lock in on like the snap shares, who has what role for this backfield. I feel like we can put that to bed. Brees Hall is that guy. He's a locked in start. And I think he is probably drawing live to be a top 12, top 10 running back rest of season. And then we're going to be sitting Michael Carter did score two touchdowns, but those were just like off the back of Brees Hall driving them down the field. And then Carter kind of gets, you know, subbed in because Brees Hall needs a breather. Brees Hall's the guy. 
Michael Carter is a sit. On the other side with the Packers, I think we continue to fire up Aaron Jones. I think in general, both of these running backs have been pretty disappointing, but the guy I do want to talk about here is A.J. Dillon because he has been relegated from the start section to more of a fringe option. So, you know, we all know A.J. Dillon had been disappointing through uh, four weeks, but the usage really took a dip in week five. So through four weeks, he was one of these guys where I kept saying the workload's there, the workload's there, the touchdowns are going to come, the big games are going to come because the workload was there, averaging 14.3 carries per game, three and a half targets per game. That is totally worthy of a starting option, especially on like a capable offense, not like an elite insane offense, but it's not like he was putting this together on, I guess what's the worst offense, like the uh, Texans offense or the Jaguars offense recently. Like this is a solid workload on a solid offense. Then in week five, I don't even know what happened here. He drops to a 32% snap share, only has six carries and is not targeted one time. So I don't think this is something that's going to stick. I think we saw the Packers offense kind of struggle. They lose to the Giants. I do think they're going to have to rely more on these two running backs. But, you know, you do have to be a little weary here just because, you know, he's been underperforming and now we see a dip in the usage. So I do think you can start him, but he's definitely not the guy that you're super excited to toss into your lineup and, you know, really want to trust as a strong running back too. In this next matchup, we have the Jaguars taking on the Colts. And I want to talk about this uh, Jaguars backfield. For the sake of this video, I have both Travis Etienne and James Robinson listed as fringes. You know, looking back at the last few weeks, I've had James Robinson as a start. I believe I had him as a top 10 running back heading into last week, you know, in terms of my weekly rankings. And then I've had Travis Etienne as a sit. They're really kind of closing the gap here and are really in the same area because this has kind of turned into a gross committee. So through the first three games, we saw James Robinson operating as a stud. In three games, Robinson was averaging 18.8 points per game, averaging 17 carries a game, and then 2.3 targets. We saw ETN kind of filter in, averaging 9.1 points per game, 8.7 carries, and then 3.3 targets per game. So the clear number two behind James Robinson. These past two weeks, stuff has kind of flipped here. James Robinson has tanked to 4.4 points per game, only nine carries, one target a game. And then for ETN, he's up at 8.8. Nothing crazy, but doubling up J-Rob over these last two weeks. Nine carries a game, three targets a game. It's this weird spot where James Robinson was just straight up outplaying ETN. He was dominant, so he was earning those opportunities. The Jaguars offense was rolling. But now we're looking at an opportunity for Travis Etienne to kind of slide in here and potentially take over this backfield. This is a tough Colts defense, so I'm not overly excited about starting you know, either player. I do think you could plug them in, but like I said, you can't be super confident with either one of these dudes after the production the last two weeks and the overall lack of production from the uh, Jaguars offense. For the Colts, it seems like they're semi-optimistic that they'll have uh, JT back for this game. If Jonathan Taylor's playing, he's a start. We saw Naheem Hines leave with a concussion. Not sure if he's going to be back for this game. I would be sitting him uh, basically, you know, for any reason, unless Jonathan Taylor missing. And even if JT misses, it's something we're going to have to kind of figure out here with this backfield. So for right now, the only firm thing is that if JT plays, he is obviously going to be a start. Next game is between the Vikings and the Dolphins. For the Vikings, we saw Delvin Cook ball out against the Bears. Finally had one of those, you know, big touchdown performances that I'd been kind of expecting and talking about. So he's a start. Alexander Madison is a sit. For the Dolphins, Raheem Mostert locked in start here. 
sitting Chase Edmonds, and I do want to break down this Dolphins backfield because here in week five, this was the spot where Raheem Mostert just took over. And we went from Chase Edmonds looking like the running back one after week one to now Edmonds potentially being the number two behind or the number three behind Miles Gaskin may not even be locked in as the backup running back or handcuff at this point. We saw Gaskin outsnap Edmonds 13 to 10. We saw Mostert take a 69% snap share. He took 78% of the running back carries, 66% of the early down work, 100% of the two minute drill snaps, 50% of the short yardage, and then 67% of the third downs. So he has taken over this backfield. It looks like he's going to be the guy moving forward and is probably someone who's just going to continue to trend up because once this offense does get to a back, I mean, then we're looking at, you know, even better offense, more scoring opportunities, and Raheem Mostert could be pushing like high-end running back two territory if he can hold on to this role. Moving on to the Bengals-Saints game. For the Bengals, we continue to fire up Joe Mixon as a very strong running back one, sitting Samaj P. Ryan, but he is a solid handcuff at this point. And then for the Saints, firing up Alvin Kamara after a really strong game the only thing we can complain about here for Kamara is the fact that Taysom Hill is you know, going to be rushing three touchdowns. It's a little bit brutal for Kamara's touchdown upside, but I obviously don't think that's something that's going to be consistent week to week. It's good to see Kamara get that big role again, super involved in the receiving game, so really like to see it out of Alvin Kamara. That's going to lead us into the Ravens taking on the Giants, and I have J.K. Dobbins here listed as a fringe start. So he's actually someone who, you know, he came back, First game back off the ACL, didn't do a ton, didn't have a huge role. I listed him as a sit. He comes back week two, gets into the end zone, I think twice, and has a big day. So I list him as a start. He really did take a step back on Sunday night after that impressive second game. He was outsnapped by Kenyon Drake. He only had a 40% snap share, which is just not going to get it done. 37% route participation, only eight carries, zero targets. He's just a guy who's being used heavily on early downs and then short guarded situations. Now, also, you know, something to point out, they didn't really have any goal line opportunities for J.K. Dobbins. So that is a way that he's going to be getting his production. But he is just a very, very limited option at this point where he's not involved in the receiving game. You know, he's not getting any third down work. So he just needs to be reliant on touchdowns because so far the overall workload hasn't been there. You know, he's not going to be a Nick Chubb-esque player who's giving you 16, 17, 18 carries a game. Maybe he can build up to that at the end of the season, but that's just not where we're at right now. He was non-existent on third downs, non-existent in the two-minute drill. So I still think he's someone who's going to be viable down the stretch, but I don't think you can have full confidence, you know, playing him heading into week six. On the other side with the Giants, we don't need to you know, spend any time here. Saquon Barkley is the man. Locked in high-end running back one. Then we have the Buccaneers taking on the Steelers. Saw a massive game out of Leonard Fournette, especially as a pass catcher. So playoff Lenny is a locked-in start. And then I think Rashad White is probably the most valuable handcuff in the NFL. If he is on your waiver wire, please pick up Rashad White. He's also getting work on a week-to-week basis now. Last two weeks, he's been involved. So definitely someone to look out for. On the other side with the Steelers, Najee Harris has been relegated to the fringe, and it may even be generous ranking him here and not just putting him straight up as a sit. Najee just has had a brutal start to the season. He's averaging 10.3 points per game. He's probably looking like the biggest bust of the season so far. You know, a guy who was picked late first round, early second round in most leagues, 
just not at all living up to you know his uh, preseason draft capital. And overall, there's just not a lot of bright spots here. The reason why Najee Harris was drafted so highly was because we thought he was going to have this massive workload. I think everyone expected the Steelers offense to be rough. The offensive line isn't great. He may not have a ton of scoring upside, but he was just carried by a huge workload his rookie season. The problem is all those bad things are still there and he is no longer the workhorse of this backfield. He is losing out on receiving work to Jalen Warren. And then he goes into this matchup on Sunday against the Buccaneers with a very, very tough run defense. Like this is not looking good for Najee Harris. And so he's going to be on the fringe. I'm guessing you're going to have to play him because if you, you know, you drafted him, you're in a 12 team league, he's probably going to be your best option. But if you are strong in other areas, like I would not be scared off to uh, bench Najee Harris in this matchup. He's not a player I'm super optimistic about this week or even like rest of season. That's going to lead us into the Panthers taking on the Rams. For the Panthers, we saw some coaching turnover. Matt Rule finally out of there. We also see Baker Mayfield with a high ankle sprain. I don't really know what this means. Like I still think they're going to be a rough unit, but you know, maybe they get C-Mac more involved. But I mean, even the last two weeks, he has seen an increase. He was super involved as a pass catcher this past week. That's what we should have seen the entire season. He is still a locked in high-end running back one. If I had to choose one running back rest of season, it would be between CMC and Saquon. And I probably would be leaning uh, CMC at this point. So I still feel very highly about Christian McCaffrey. For the Rams, neither of these dudes are fantasy relevant. Both Akers and Henderson are sits. But I do just kind of want to talk about this backfield because even though they're both unstartable, The usage is just all over the place here. So like remember week one, we saw Henderson dominate. Then it's kind of been a split the last few weeks. We saw Cam Akers come out, take 100% of the running back carries, but he did that on a 31% snap share. He also only ran five routes. So it's just giving you, you know, no receiving upside. Then we look at Daryl Henderson, who didn't record a carry, but at a 57% snap share, 52% route participation and five targets. At this point, the Rams offense is looking brutal. The O-line is rough, and we just can't be trusting any of these running backs, which is unfortunate because if we remember last year, like Henderson leading this backfield was super productive. You know, it's like whoever was the running back one was giving you solid numbers. It's just not coming together this season. Next up, we have the Cardinals taking on the Seahawks. And for the Cardinals, I feel like this is what I talk about every single week. I have James Conner as a start. The workload's there. He's banged up. We don't know if he's going to play. So it's like, is it, you know, Benjamin? Is it Daryl Williams? At this point, I'm just going to say, assuming everyone's healthy, James Conner's going to be a start, sitting Eno, sitting Williams. However, James Conner left with a uh, rib injury in week five. Daryl Williams is a little bit banged up. So if those two players are out, I do think Eno Benjamin is a decent start this week, but this is probably just a spot with the Cardinals that we're going to need to evaluate throughout the week. So probably tough to make like a firm stance right this second, especially like maybe Connor's banged up, he's limited, and we don't want to start any of these dudes. That is also a possibility. But on the other side, what I do know is that I want Kenneth Walker in my lineup. Now you guys may be wondering, like, you know, I'm not a huge uh, Rashad Penny guy. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I listed him as a sit, I think basically every week, except for in week five, if I am remembering correctly. And even then I put him as a fringe after his big week four performance. The reason why I like Kenneth Walker is that when we're looking at those two guys as players, I just personally believe they are, you know, pretty similar in terms of talent, at least at this point, like I think Walker definitely has the higher overall ceiling. But the difference is, is that when Rashad Penny was playing, he had a limited workload 
with Kenneth Walker on his heels. There is no Kenneth Walker, you know, now on Kenneth Walker's heels. He is going to be the number one in this backfield. I think the Seahawks offense has been very impressive the last few weeks. They've definitely taken some strides. So I think Kenneth Walker is a solid start and probably a top 24 guy at this point in the season. If he's on your waiver wire, I'd be, you know, paying up a lot of fab to bring him in. Spending the number one priority, I do think it's worth it here for Kenneth Walker. Keeping it rolling here, we have the Bills taking on the Chiefs. And honestly, I don't know how this is not a primetime game. This is definitely the best matchup on paper of the week. For the Bills, I'm going to be listing Devin Singletary as a start. And I feel like we kind of have figured out something here where Devin Singletary is actually going to be given the most opportunities in competitive games. These games where the Bills are just kind of blowing out their opponents, they kind of lean on uh, Zach Moss, they lean on James Cook, the competitive game scripts, they're going to be playing Devin Singletary. So I think that lines up very well for Singletary this week. Going up against the Chiefs, this is probably going to be, you know, potential shootout or just a semi-close game where Singletary is going to have to stay in the game. They're not going to be taking him out resting them, all of that stuff. On the other side with the Chiefs, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of decipher this backfield. I still think we have to roll with CEH as a start. You know, I feel like everyone's been saying it for weeks, like CEH super touchdown dependent. He's going to fall off. The regression is coming. Looks like the regression came a little bit. He still actually almost got into the end zone, kind of had his like butt on the ground, like a few inches before he did cross the plane. And I think they went to Kelsey, got the touchdown. So he's still getting those opportunities in the red zone. I think the problem for CEH kind of comes into the fact that he's not really like outperforming guys like McKinnon and Pacheco in his opportunities. So I think his role is fairly fragile, but until he loses it, I still think we have to ride him to get the touchdown upside. And then sitting Jerick McKinnon, who did have a solid game on Monday Night Football, Now, I believe this is the Sunday night game, the Cowboys taking on the Eagles. And I feel like basically I'm just going to keep this up until Dak Prescott returns. Elliott and Pollard are both going to be fringe options and probably lower tier fringe options. I mean, neither of these dudes received a single target last week. So they were just, you know, locked in on the ground. We see Pollard get the touchdown. Zeke has the bigger workload, but he can't get into the end zone. And if he doesn't score, he's basically a zero in your lineup. So not super confident with either of these guys, especially going up against the Eagles. But, you know, fringe options, if they're your flex, your running back three, whatever it is, you know, I don't think they're the worst options. For the Eagles, we continue to fire up Miles Sanders as a solid, you know, RB20 to RB24 play week to week, and then sitting his backup, Kenneth Gainwell. And then Monday Night Football, I'm sure everyone is pumped up to see the Broncos on prime time again. We've got the Broncos taking on the Chargers. Hopefully the Chargers can uh, kind of make up for the brutal uh, Broncos offense that we're going to have to watch. But for the Broncos, I do think Melvin Gordon is startable. Kind of talked about last week, there was a lot of uncertainty with that backfield. Melvin Gordon kind of had a meltdown game, fumble, drop. They bench him, they bring in Mike Boone. Are they going to roll with Boone? Are they going to go back to Melvin Gordon? It looks like they, uh, you know, put the load on Melvin Gordon at least a little bit. Solid workload and did produce in this game. He didn't have any like major blunders. He had a 56% snap share, 47% route participation. He had 65% of the running back carries. And then he had 15 carries, three targets, turned that into 103 yards from scrimmage, and then 13.3 PBR points. So with no touchdown, I'll take 13.3 like base points every day of the week. So I like Gordon as a start, sitting Mike Boone. And then for the Chargers, I talked about Austin Eckler as a sell high. 
what Austin Eckler is doing on like a sub 60% snap share is truly unbelievable. He's wildly efficient. He's been scoring touchdowns the last two weeks. So what this really makes me think is like, if Austin Eckler had that like 70, 80% snap share, even the workload he had last year, like this dude could be putting up an elite running back ceiling. He's definitely still in range to be a high-end running back one. I do just think some regression's coming unless he sees a bigger role, especially if Keenan Allen comes back. I feel like that may kind of limit the receiving work for Austin Eckler. But at this point, you'd kind of just continue to fire him up. If you want to sell high, I don't think it's the worst move. Kind of swap him out for another running back one. But, you know, he continues to produce really just, you know, showing off his talent because the overall role he has is not one that's, you know, super, you know, set up for him to just be an absolute baller, but he just continues to put up massive production. So that is going to wrap it up for every single week six matchup, all 14 games. If you guys did enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'm going to be posting my wide receiver start sits today also. So check those out if you haven't seen them already. As always, thank you for stopping by and I'll see you guys in the next one.